We continue with our series, Equipped on the Way, from Luke chapter 12. This chapter starts with Jesus speaking to his disciples in the presence of crowds. Then he answers a question that comes from a person in the crowd. And Tim unpacked that in his great sermon last week, looking at how we can be rich towards God. The passage we look at today continues with that theme. So reading Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storerooms or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now Jesus turns from the crowds to his disciples again. And he gives this command, do not worry about the necessities of life, what you'll eat or what you'll wear. Trust God to provide. Don't worry. How's that going for you at the moment? The global crisis generated by the COVID pandemic has created uncertainty, insecurity, and along with that, worry. In our country, it's brought right to the forefront the reality of food poverty. And in so many other ways, there is huge pressure on people and the people they care about. What can we learn from Jesus' advice to his disciples? from this passage about how to counter worry. How are they, and we as followers today, to do this? Jesus draws their attention to the world around them. Look around you to see the grace of God at work. I've noticed as we've emerged into spring, the value people are putting on hearing birdsong, seeing snowdrips, snowdrops, and daffodils blossom, emerging as new signs of life. I particularly like watching ducks. It always encourages me that there they are, floating on water, and they never sink. It's amazing. 
And it always makes me think that God is holding them. This is what we see here. Jesus points out the birds. Think about those ravens for the moment, he says. Unlike the foolish farmer we heard about last week, the ravens have no way of producing or storing food. Yet God feeds them. Notice that, says Jesus. Ravens, regarded as unclean animals, are valued by God. In comparison, Jesus points out, how much more valuable are you than those birds? Then he adds this killer question. Who of you, by worrying, can add even a single hour to your life? Since you can't do that little, little thing, why do you worry about the rest? I call this a killer question because it rings so true. I know that at the times when I worry, I invest emotional energy. At its worst, I feel physically sick. Certainly, I overthink. I go round in circles about how it's going to go at the thought of a difficult conversation or making a big or even minor decision or wondering how I will get everything done, or even thinking about the trivial. When am I ever going to see my hairdresser again? That's probably set a few of you off wondering that too. Jesus points out that his disciples cannot add to their life by worry, so it's a waste of time and energy. He continues to draw from nature, with the beauty of the flowers of the field, followed by another killer question. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus challenges the disciples to move from giving attention to worry by teaching them to focus on the character of God, that God will provide for them. Looking outwards to notice God's care and attention for even the smallest, apparently insignificant plant brings in the reality that God cares for you. Jesus is teaching them the perspective from which he lived his life on earth. In addition to that, Jesus is described at his baptism as beloved son. He relates to his father as the one who gives good gifts to his children. Jesus has made it possible for us to enter this relationship of being God's children and instructs us to pray in the same way, in the words of the Lord's Prayer, and expect the goodness of God to be at work in our lives. Someone once said to me, be a warrior, not a warrior. But to be a warrior, you need to know the reality you're a child of God, loved by God. It's the love of God that drives out fear, brings peace in the midst of a storm, says you're my beloved, and gives power to serve in his kingdom. God cares for his disciples, his followers. What's the response required from them? And the clarity again comes from Jesus. Don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. 
for the pagan world runs out after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. It's from that place of trusting the Father's provision that Jesus says, don't set your hearts on stuff. Set your hearts on seeking the kingdom. The posture, the focus, the outworking of knowing our identity as children of our loving Father is to seek and take action in his kingdom. This kingdom work includes prayer for healing of people telling others of the incredible difference Jesus makes to life, speaking out against injustice or abuse, protecting God's creation, giving generously in imitation of our generous God. These actions, and many others that I haven't named, may seem daunting in themselves. So it's good that the next verse, verse 32, brings it all together. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. It's a gift to us, but it's a gift to people described as little flock. There's a wonderful tenderness of reassurance in that description, isn't there? And it derives from the description in the Old Testament for God's fragile yet cared for people. One Bible scholar puts this gift of the kingdom, this entrustment to us in this way. Jesus knows that to his little flock, the enterprise he is sharing with them must appear formidable and the hope of victory remote. They have to learn to think of the kingdom not as an otherworldly dream or as a distant goal of history, but as a present possession, realized not by their own achievement, but by the Father's gift and guaranteed to them by his good pleasure, his eternal purpose of grace. A simple action to participate in the work of God's kingdom, of heaven on earth, here and now, is to give to the poor. Jesus said this in a context where giving money, tithes and offerings, to the local centre of worship, in Jesus' time, synagogue and temple, in our time, the local church, was understood and acted upon as part of discipleship. If you're not already doing this, please pray, ask God and act accordingly. Additionally, the call from today's passage is for all of us to play our part in the work of the kingdom by reassessing what we have and giving to the poor. This becomes treasure in heaven, or, as we discovered last week, how we become rich before God. And it's how we position our heart towards God and away from ourselves. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, puts it like this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life.
Taking a simple, kingdom-oriented action also moves us away from worry. I can tell when my security is in God, when I give generously with joy in my heart. When insecurity is around, I become selfish. And I can tell that when I'm grumpy about doing the washing up. So have I become a bit selfish in these uncertain times? Honestly, yes, I think I have. The Brighter Course has given me the opportunity in the last two weeks to be kind to do to two different sets of neighbours. And through Love Your Neighbour Before Christmas, I suddenly had the chance to give to somebody in need who isn't a Christian, and that led to talking about faith and praying for them. Small actions to advance God's kingdom. But additionally, I've noticed that these have combated my self-obsessed worries and given me joy, and hopefully given joy to the other people too. It's time to refocus from possessions to God's provision, from worry to generosity. So there's a clear active response for us in the weeks ahead. Seeking God's kingdom and acting, taking one of those ways of advancing God's kingdom that I described earlier, or one of the ones that I didn't describe, including giving to the poor. Prior to all of that, it's important to come back into the love of God. There's no point for me thinking, oh, I'm being selfish and getting down on myself. No, I need to bring that to God, knowing that God already loves me, even with my selfishness, and I need to confess that selfishness to God and receive his forgiveness. So I'm going to pray for us now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come to search our hearts and minds. Has uncertainty, insecurity, worry taken over? Have we forgotten that God is our Father, cares for us and provides for us? Have we become selfish in action or attitude? Let's take a moment for any of those apply to us to confess that to God, to say sorry to God for those things. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and he forgives us our sins and establishes us in right relationship with him and with the people around us. So receive the extravagant exchange of grace that Jesus has won for you on the cross. Receive the forgiveness of God and live in the light of his covenant love established 
through Jesus.